This last session, gang, is one that we are passionate about, and it shows up. It showed up at the marriage conference in the way we ended that last session. And as you know, what we've worked our way through in these times together in the plenary sessions, the large group sessions, is if you're not overwhelmed, you should be. The second one was questions all overwhelmed moms and dads need to ask. And then this last session is the genius of being overwhelmed together. And what we want to talk about in this particular session is that as you go at this incredible task that should overwhelm us all, that uh, drives us to a place of incredible accountability and drives us to a place where we, like nothing else in our lives, are going to have to give an account for, it would not make any sense to go at this on your own and to isolate yourself from others who can help make you successful. And I'm going to just share with you, the folks that right now I've been sharing life with the last several years, before that, you know, Kirk and Kathy and I and Scott and Stephanie and Kyle and Christy and others were folks that were really were in our life early on with Alex and I as we entered into the kid years and just with them leaving all of us in about 13 or 17 miles apart in Triangle and just life stage and different things. Right now, communities happen for us in different places and for the better part of the last four years, these are the folks that Alex and I have been overwhelmed with and that we've been sharing our life with and we wanted to share with you some stories and practical insights and applications into how this overwhelming task can be made that much more uh, possible by involving others into your life. The Lord calls us to be together and in a body and part of a group. And so we're going to talk together today about why that is genius and how that can assist and how that can help. You can see right here that there's several scriptures that come to play in this. It says, well, there is no guidance that people fall, but in the abundance of counselors there is victory. There is in all of us an imperfection and a lack of wisdom to apply to this incredible job of leading our kingdom. And so if we wouldn't pull in a cabinet of wise counselors to help us shepherd our flock, it doesn't make much sense. Without consultation, plans are frustrated, the scripture says. But with many counselors, they succeed. Proverbs 18.1, he who separates himself, and the reason many folks do, is because they want to do what they want to do, no matter how much it's going to hurt their kids, or no matter how much it's going to affect their ability to be effective, Because they're committed to doing it this way. It's the way I've known it. It's the way I want to do it. It's the way I want to enable. Or this is the way I want to be a hard-driving parent. You're seeking your own desire. And so you don't want wise counselors coming in and, and speaking with you and your wife or your partner about how you might shepherd their children among you. It doesn't make much sense. Proverbs 24, 6 says, For by wise guidance you will wage war. And in an abundance of counselors, again, there is victory. And finally, in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If you as a husband and wife are falling down on the job, not doing what you should do, or not seeing the full fulfillment of all that God would call you to, there's others that can come around you and say, you know what, we think you can pick up the pace here, or we think we can provide for you these next things, which is where we want to dive in. We're going to just walk through now what we think together can provide and help us with, specifically related to the incredible task, the overwhelming privilege of shepherding the hearts of kids. And so the very first one is just the fact that together provides some perspective. The reality is that we can be both too hard and too easy on our own kids. And having other folks that are intimately around you and in life with you can enlarge your view of what's going on. And so some of you guys want to jump in right here and at times we can um, be limited in our perspective because sometimes Alex and I have been in a situation where we go man our kids I can't believe how much they bicker at each other I can't believe how selfish they are 
And when we're with other folks, it's good for them to remind us, hey, let me tell you, there's a lot of good about your kids that's going on. And there's other aspects to perspective. Yeah, one, one of the things that really, was really helpful for us, we have a son, Jordan, who's now a junior in high school, but Jordan uh, is a kid who's gifted in being very creative and imaginative, and uh, that's just the way God created him, and we've wanted to celebrate that. And uh, uh, as a kid in school, uh, Jordan is a round peg in a square hole. Uh, he can be disruptive. He's very interactive. And one of the things Lucene and I have, have struggled with for years is just how do we love and celebrate Jordan's strengths and the ways God gifted him uh, and not discouraging him by trying to fit him in a, in a mold that he is not. And uh, uh, the, the process we'd gone through, really, that we'd come at it, for, for me, probably more so, is just wanting to allow him to fail continually and let God refine him through that. And uh, let him fail and then have him grow through that. But it was uh, continually for me and Lucina a, an area of, of uh, stress and conflict in our marriage uh, because on the other hand, Lucina thought differently. Um, <laughs> I really struggled with, do, is there a learning difference here? And if so, um, there's help available. And... Um, just said, I, I feel like maybe there's a processing problem because it was logical thinking that he had that he struggled with math, um, paper writing, those kinds of things. And so I kept pushing for. I think maybe we should have him tested. So here, Kyle thinks Lucina is being uh, a mom that wants to overdiagnose and uh, quickly run to different aids that might, in some way, uh, interrupt the hard things that God's trying to teach Jordan about discipline and about focus. And, and she's looking at Kyle and going, well, here's a guy who's a hard driver uh, and, and, and is being unreasonable and doesn't understand some of the issues that his son is wrestling with that I happen to know about. And so they were at a, a place where their two perspectives were different and were hurting them. And the genius of together was what, Kyle? Well, for us, uh, everything came to a head when Jordan was a sophomore in high school. And uh, after the first couple of weeks of chemistry and geometry, he was flunking, and uh, he was excelling in, in English and history. And, uh, and Lucina just looked at me and said, you know, uh, and, and the issue came up again. And just I don't want to get five years down the road and just look and think, you know, maybe we should have done something different. And so for me, I didn't want to discourage my wife, and I didn't want to exasperate my son. And so we brought it uh, to community and said, hey, you guys... Here's the situation. Speak in. Let God use you to speak in wisdom and how we parent. What do we do? And so we spent a night together, and, and I've been remiss in not introducing this group of friends that's up here with me, but Dean and Tawny McFarland down there in the end uh, have two kiddos, and Kyle and Lucina have two as well. Scott and Susan Coy have uh, two kids, and then my wife, Alex, and she shares my brood with me, and then Brett and Sherry Johnson have three girls. And so we serve together, and uh, God's given us the privilege of being a part of the leadership of this church together. But we do more than just think collectively about how to shepherd the flock of God among us here at Watermark. We share the responsibilities of shepherding the flock of God among us right here in our own families. And so they came to us and said, hey, just like we do with any problem we face as a, body, as, as a group of leaders over a body, we've got an issue here that we're not really sure as people that God has put their hand on the lead, we know how to handle. And I think that Lucina's perspective is 
warped and she thinks my perspective is warped and we want what's best for our kid. Why don't you guys speak into this for us? And so we spent the better part of an evening, uh, and there's other dynamics to that we won't go into, <laughs> but uh, just wrestling through that and trying to love them. Yeah, and, and where we came out, you know, th- they helped us think through where, if we tested him, where that road would go and what are we willing to do and what we're not willing to do. And uh, and, and just also recognizing that I'm an analytical thinker and I'm not creative. And so do I need to be tested so I can learn differently how to be creative? And so uh, anyway, it was great because where we ended up is they came up with just some other boundaries and things we could do uh, that, that I hadn't really thought of. And, and the great thing was that Jordan ended up making a, a B in chemistry and a B in geometry. And uh, as of his report card a couple of days ago, he's got a 96 in physics. So... Uh, just the, the wisdom of, of God letting these folks speak into our situation. Just helping them wrestle. Go ahead, Brett. No, I was going to say, one of the great things that came out of that is that, that through the five guys represented here and the, four, or in the five women represented here, I mean, there's very different personalities. And so as Kyle is not sure he really, that Lucina's on the same page and Lucina's maybe discouraged because she thinks Kyle's not on the same page, when they bring it, then this collective group can, can speak to it. And, and I'm one of those weird pegs that doesn't fit in the weird hole, whatever he said. So, no, your weird you know, thing fits in the weird hole. It's, yeah. the, it's the normal holes we have a hard time with that's you it, getting yeah. into. That's it. All right, and here, here's the blanks that go with this. It's just that in isolation, your perception becomes the reality. And the reality is your perception is often the problem. And so the genius of together is that Kyle didn't have to feel like Lucina was her lack of perceiving how best to handle this was creating, frankly, tension in their marriage. And it was potentially hurting their son. And so rather than isolate themselves, they go, look, God's given us community. We're connected. These people love us. Let's take it to them and say, speak into this. And so that's what we did. All right, together provides perspective, but together um, also minimizes emotional decisions. Who wants to grab that one? Yeah, I'll, I'll, that? I'll grab that one. Um, when Sharon and I moved to Dallas, I was a product of DISD, and so I wanted to make sure uh, that my kids had protection. Uh, I'm just kidding. But one of the things, our kids, we made a decision out of fear when our kids were young. It, really, I mean, we did. We, we made this decision to send our kids to a certain private school, and as it was coming time for them to change schools, we made lots of decisions out of fear because we just, because of the environment they were in, we were positive and, and I always say it this way, that Whitney would burst into flames and become a crack prostitute the first week in public school. Um, and I didn't use that word when I said it before. But we were making that decision out of fear. And by talking to these folks, who, who their kids went to the, these evil public schools, they were able to talk us off the ledge to where we were not responding out of fear, where we were listening to other people who were wise, who had gone before us and done these things and you know, they're all wise people and they could speak to us. And so what we realized is that we had made a decision out of fear and that because of all of them talking to us about it, uh, and it's, this isn't about private school or not private school. This is about trusting the people that God has put in your life to help you as a person grow. Well, specifically what happened there is that Brett and Sherry were saying, look, we're trying to make a decision. And we said, great, process it as you guys talk together. Share us. Share with us how you're thinking. And, and what, what happened is as they shared with us, a number of us said, it sounds like the things that are driving you, one way or the other, are not rooted in wisdom, but they're emotional responses. They're driven by fear. 
They're driven by um, a desire to uh, protect that, that any parent would want to do and do what's best for their child. But have you thought about it from this angle? And some of your experiences and the lenses that you work through are, are limiting you. And so together minimizes how those emotional, dis, uh, those emotional drivers in your life can be tabled a little bit so that other folks can say, look, you know, whether you go this way or this way is maybe not even the issue here. But I can tell you what's, the wind that's filling your sail right now is not the wind of principled biblical wisdom. It's more emotionally driven. And together can help you sometimes get downwind of yourself and perceive that. Anybody else want to add on top of that? Yeah, I'll, I'll kick in there just because there was a season in our life that uh, was, I think, a great description of all three of these blanks. You know, the emotional aspect, the encouragement is the next one. Together multiplies wisdom and security. And anytime you share something from your life, especially about your children, you know, it's the kind of thing we're about to share, you, you want to give some perspective. You want, you want to make sure that you really understand how great your kid is, even though they had this dark period. The reality is your kids are never as great as you think. They're also probably never as bad as you think. For us, Mac went through a very difficult time his sophomore year in college. He'd gone off, uh, he came to know Christ very early uh, as a young person, and his season through junior high and high school was a great time for us. We had periodic struggles, but overall he was really passionately pursuing Christ. And so when he left for college, he was sent off, I felt like uh, we talked about it just earlier in our breakout session, an arrow in, in, in a great direction with a firm foundation. Well, he got into the college life, it soon swept him up in some behaviors and patterns, uh, drugs, experimenting, experimenting with drugs and passionately pursuing alcohol is how I'd say it. And I think at the end of the day, there were decisions that Mac, because of the community he was keeping, um, because of the just poor decision-making, began to make some decisions that caused Tawny and I to really rethink whether we wanted to continue to support his stay in college. Do you want to pick up there? Or you want well, let, let me jump in and give the next point, and we'll talk about where that drove us. And, and, and um, what, what specifically the next point that we're going to get to is that together can provide some encouragement. It, it provides not only some perspective that we all need, because there's a way that seems right to us, but often that is the way of death. Emotional drivers can get us to different places, and sometimes we just need encouragement to do what we know we need to do, but emotionally, I mean, I don't want to pull my kid out of school. I don't want to set him back. I don't want to you know, bring him back. It's going to expose his issues. I don't want to do that to my son. I mean, who cares what people think about us? But Dean and Tawny, in the midst of this thing, just said, here's what we're in the middle of with Mac. And, and, and so we were able to encourage them to apply the principles that we knew they knew and that it was going to be loving for Mac, and also then to encourage them, and Tony, this is where you can speak a little bit, encourage them as they did what was very painful for them to do, because what happened with Mac? Well, we, we did pulling for a semester, and it was not met with a lot of enthusiasm <laughs> for him to not return back to school. And this was over um, the summer, and he came uh, to us, and we relayed the information that we were no longer going to financially support him, period, and that he could go wherever he wanted or come back to Dallas and possibly get a job. Well, he met that with um, some pretty dark uh, threats on harming himself and just kind of drove off and left us with real, you know, fear of what he was going to do to himself. So here you guys were, loving your son in a way you've thought through with community, mm -hmm. And then you're met all of a sudden with your son saying, hey, mom and dad, let me just tell you what I think about your wisdom, your encouragement that you're receiving from others to love me this way. I frankly don't really care what happens to me. And off he shot. Your, your elder friends is what he called us. He said, your elder friends have given you really bad advice. 
And um, <laughs> elder buddies. I'm sorry, he called them elder buddies. And um, he he decided uh, he drove off into the night and would call us. But what I was thinking about on the encouragement side is that Dean came to this conclusion a lot quicker than I did to pull Mac. I felt like, gosh, that's a pretty big consequence for what he's doing. I'm always Sherry and I are the helicopter moms, and I was still wanting to rescue him. And so I, because of this group of people who not only love Dean and myself, but love my children, um, I was able to swing over to this side because they unanimously came to on one accord to that we should pull Mac. Yeah, that's an important part of the process because if you'll remember, you all sent us back to get on the same page. You said, look, you guys get together. You discern what you think before the Lord is the best thing for him and bring it back to us, which that was a great process because that's the season that Tony's talking about. We were definitely not on the same page, but processing it together, talking about it, trying to present the plan to, to uh, the folks that we were unified on really drew us together, and then certainly they sharpened and refined us. And the key, and I want you to speak back to this, because that night, as Tony said, when he threatened to, to, to harm himself, you know, all of a sudden you're kind of going, well, maybe we should rethink this. Let's call him back, and, you know, we'll, we can cave on this, and maybe he can go back to school. If he's really going to hurt himself, I mean, why not? And the reality is that's where we, in and of ourselves, can't make those decisions alone. We have to rely on the strength of community. And Tawny and I were just so uniquely encouraged, confirmed in the midst of terrible pain and great concern for the safety of our son. And so I saw that night, even in you, the peace that you had. And what did you say when, after we processed and we talked? We even called some of these folks that night and said, look, this is what we're going through. Pray for us. Well, and they reaffirmed, you know, and remind, helped to remind us in our emotion of how we had gotten to where we were that night. And then we got down, I remember we, we were in Colorado, and Dean and I and our daughter happened to be there too. We got down on our knees around the bed and prayed for Mac, and he kept kind of calling intermittently and, you know, furthering the threat. And it was really just an awful night, but I looked at Dean, and after we'd prayed and cried and cried and cried, and I looked at him and I said, I think we go to bed. You know, as hard as that is, you know, if we truly believe that God is in control and that God loves Mac more than we do, then we have processed as the best as we are able. We've done all that we have been um, counseled to, that we feel at peace at. And so, I mean, we were making the bed down to go to bed, and I thought, I can't believe we're doing that. And by God's grace, as we crawled into bed, Mac walked in the front door. So we cried a lot more, and didn't talk very much that night. But without this group of people affirming our decision, it would have been really, really rocky to have walked that path without knowing and remembering how we came to this conclusion. Yeah, in, in the midst of that, you, you can start to question yourself. Oh, my gosh. Here we're trying to love with wisdom, but this is a very emotional time. Are we being too hard on him? Are we exasperated and frustrated and sick of seeing our money go towards us a, a grade point average that's below average? And are we, are we just angry because he's making these poor decisions about the things he's introducing into his body? And so you can start to go, you know, we can, we can do it too much. And we're encouraging him to say, no, this is not an emotional decision. This is a wisdom-based decision. And then when you get in it in the application of it, you can get the encouragement to say, no matter what the child does, that doesn't change the rightness of what we're doing. And I think specifically that night in some of our conversations were, look, if, this is, if you just saw your son for the last time, you know that you have loved him well. And you cannot let him hold you hostage with threats of what he'll do if you love him as God would have you love him. That's his responsibility. And when you're looking at potentially 
seeing your living son for the last time. Do you think you need some encouragement to stick to your guns on that? And anybody that's ever been around anybody with an addiction knows that people with addictions will drive you, either smother you with kindness and say, you're the only one that understands, everybody else is hard on me, but you basically are the one that enables me and loves me and lets me go. That's why I always come back to you. And, and, or they'll, if, if they don't get what they want from that, they'll swing it the other way. You know, I'm going to harm myself. I'm going to take my life. I'm going to, I'm going to you know, do some crazy things if you don't enable me to keep doing this. And a loving person doesn't do either. And so we need that encouragement when we're faced with a person who's addicted to a self-destructive lifestyle to say, look, we're, that is not going to change the way we love you. And if you want to hurt yourself, that's your decision. But I'm accountable for how I love you. That requires a great deal of people telling you you're not being... Uh, you're not overstepping your bounds. You're not being unreasonable. You're not being emotional. You're being loving and wise. And boy, I'll tell you what, when you get those kind of conversations going on, you want to make sure that you're not got a, operating out of emotion, a warped perspective, and you want the encouragement to stick to your guns because you can see how hard it is to stick to it. Now, another form of encouragement, and Alex, you mentioned this earlier, is just, you know, sometimes, as I said, you can get discouraged. You're not doing anything right and it's helpful sometimes to, to do some of the celebrating and just, you know, talk about that. Well, I was just uh, mentioning to Todd when we were walking up to our room that there is um, so much information this weekend. And like Todd just said, just the, uh, you can kind of get down on yourself for what you're not doing right as a parent. And um, just to stop today and celebrate what you are doing right. And that was just something that I thought we should, we'd be wrong if we didn't encourage you all to do that. And Todd and I will do that ourselves. Yeah, and take a moment with each other. Listen, if you're in community, there's lots of times that you can start to... It's not all about saying what you're doing wrong. It's coming around and putting your arm around some folks sometimes. Let me just tell you something. You know, it's great that you want to work and shine the light on ever-increasing areas of your life. But it's good to have other folks that are around you to speak love into your life. And like I said, help you with the perspective with your kids. Hey, we think you got great kids. Don't be too hard on them or too hard on yourself. This is what I saw you do right. Build each other up in love. Now, that also means there's sometimes you've got to speak with the other side of encouragement, which is to spur each other on. And together helps that. Together also multiplies wisdom. You're not limited to your own biblical perspective. There's other people who can bring other scriptures to bear, other experiences into your situation. I think, Kyle, you're going to speak to this. Yeah, we had, uh, uh, Jordan and I had processed for years just before he even got to the age of adolescence, just purity and, and uh, what all that looked like and just the ways that, uh, uh, that he's going to want to masturbate and the feeling that come, wanting to look at pornography. And, and he had a hard time understanding why he would ever have a desire to do that. And it's something that gets talked a lot now, uh, about a lot at school now. And anyway, uh, I guess uh, uh, a year and a half ago, and we've got a number of boundaries in our home, and, and I had walked upstairs and uh, Jordan had the computer and I could see it and uh, he had just printed a picture off of a of a woman with her breasts and uh, was doing some things and I and, and he was just you know it was stunned when he saw that I had seen and it was a great opportunity for me number one to just catch my breath and recognize that you know my son uh, is going to fall and he's going to sin in the same way his daddy does and to be able to use that as an opportunity not to browbeat him uh, but to just engage with him and then talk in a more practical way, and a way now that he could identify. And as we did that and talked through that, uh, and we shared 
uh, I said, Jordan, you know, you know that, that I've got these guys in my life that are, that are helping me as a dad. And this is something that I feel they can really sharpen me. And you and I have not traveled this road before. And, uh, you know, I want to benefit, allow you to benefit from the wisdom that God has through these guys. And so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this with them and just have them help sharpen me and just the steps that we take and what we do from here. And, and, and Jordan looked at me, and I, and I expected him to say, Oh, Dad. And what he said was, I think that's a good idea, Dad. And, and it was just great to, to, for me just to see the ways that he is seeing the protection uh, that God's bringing him through me as a dad, that I've got others that are in this journey with me and the wisdom that comes from that. And, and just to add to that, I would say that, you know, some of y'all are sitting around the room going, I can't believe you used that example. <laughs> but I tell you that, that as our kids get to see this, he didn't tell Jordan he was going to do that. He asked Jordan, would it be okay if I share this with the guys that I'm in life with? And in and, and all of these examples, we've talked to our kids, and, and that's the next point, is together provides security. And uh, the idea that how we are secure and our, we pass this on to our kids. Our kids, my daughter the other day called and appealed to me uh, on the amount of money that she gets in college on a monthly basis. And she was sure that I was not giving her the proper amount. <laughs> and um, she asked that I would appeal and she called them my elder buddies or my little community or whatever. <laughs> you know, she referred to it that way. But she said, I, I want you to go ask them. And, and some of them have college-age kids. Ask them if, if they think. And so she trusted in that process. And that was a great thing to see. And, and she was right. I wasn't giving her enough money. <laughs> and so we talk about that. We've seen that. I can remember before Mac went to college. Uh, you know, Dean and I sat together with Mac. And... and you know, we sat together and Mac basically appealed and just said, look, my dad is a man, just like I'm under authority, my dad is a man under authority. He wants to live under biblical wisdom in the context of community with others. And so, you know, I want to share with you what I've shared with my dad. And we had several of conversation about what time I need to be home my senior year and about, uh, you know, what it's going to look like as I go to college. And there's a great deal of security that comes to your kids when they see that they're not stuck just with what they've got with you. And they go, you know what, I see that this is going to be, and, and, and believe me, there have been times, as, as we said, that your kids are going to go, well, the problem is, Dad, not only are you an idiot, but you swim with nothing but idiots, okay? And they're going to certainly do that. And people who are committed to certain lifestyles are going to separate themselves from all sound wisdom. Why? Because they want to seek their own desire. But isn't it encouraging to your kids that you don't say that you are the compendium of all parental wisdom because you spoke three times at a parenting conference? And, and that my kids have a great deal of security. And my wife knows if she and I are, are, are loving our kids in a way that she goes, I'm not sure that's the way we should do it, that I'm like, hey, great. Man, God's given us some friends. There is nothing that's out of bounds. And, and as a woman who's trying to support me and complete me and trust my leadership, I'm telling you, part of my leadership is humbling myself before others who will correct it, modify it, complement it, sharpen it, and spur it on. And so it gives her a great deal of security. I'm not just stuck with Todd. And, and even in that illustration with, with Kyle, as he talked about it, he asked Jordan. The reason, you know, he did that out of courtesy for Jordan, just like he asked Jordan if he could use that illustration in here. But in the situation where if Jordan said, Dad, no, you know, you cannot tell anybody this happened, you know, I think Kyle would have said, well, I need to give you some, I'm going to teach and shepherd you. Dad, you have to trust me on this one. You know, kids don't get the, the ultimate decision about whether or not we love them well. But at the end of the day, I want to tell you, the reason Jordan knew that 
it would be wise for his dad to come to us is because we have modeled before our kids the value of living life together. We have talked about this, that there is no area. You don't have to worry about being embarrassed in front of Mr. Wagner. You don't have to be worried that Miss, Miss Johnson or Miss Wagner are going to look at you differently because they love you like you're their own child. And so, you know, it wasn't Hillary Clinton that came up with it, nor was it John Wally Price who said it before Hillary Clinton. It's a long African proverb that it takes a village to raise a kid. And in fact, before the Africans said it, the Holy Spirit said it. There is genius in together. I was going to add something real quick. Good. Um, because our kids are younger than everybody up here, uh, we have not necessarily walked the road that they have. But one of the benefits that our family has had is watching them walk through this um, as a group. And then also we have had an opportunity to let our kids be a part of different ceremonies that they, these families have all modeled for us. Um, the Johnsons with some purity ceremonies with their girls. Uh, Jordan had a um, manhood ceremony that Cooper and Todd were a part of. And then, um, oh, and then Callie um, McFarlane, our kids got to watch her walk through a courtship, a very dear courtship, and um, that is moving toward engage, or that has moved toward engagement and toward wedding. And so it is a great deal of uh, our kids get to learn from older siblings. And just like we've learned from Natalie Holloway, we've learned from Callie, we've learned from Mac, positive and negative examples. We've learned positive examples from Mac, negative from Callie. We've learned positive examples from Whitney and Audrey and Rachel and right down the list. And so it, it, it provides for your family a chance to learn and be shepherded. And these are mistakes your brothers and sisters are making. Let's learn from them. Let's talk about this. And these are things they're doing well. Boy, follow in their steps. The, the last one that's not down there that we want to just bring out before we go to the next session is that together provides accountability. In other words, when Dean and Tawny went and made their plan that this is what they were going to do uh, if Mac responded a certain way, when it comes to that moment to pull that trigger, okay, if the two of you had said and you're not really certain that you did make an emotional decision or your perspective is warped, when it gets to that moment where you have to really pull your kid out, it's easy to go back and re-rationalize it. And so what they had done is because they came to us first and said, is this a wise plan? This is our plan. We looked at it. We talked about it. We sharpened it with them, tweaked it. They said, great. They took it to Mac. They said, Mac, this is what we're going to do. Clear consequences, clear choices, your opportunity, you write it. That because they went through it that way, when it came time and we would ask Dean, how's it doing? What's the latest? Has Mac done this? And, um, and, and when things came to a push to shove, you know, there wasn't the opportunity for them to go back and go, well, we just didn't think we thought through that well, so we're not going to do it. And there was accountability to love well in that moment of truth. So here we go to the next one. Not only are you to be accountable, really all those fall into that accountability, it, there's the uh, be aware part. And this is where we want to sh share with you guys that we know this isn't easy. So together does not um, absolve you. We want to make this very clear. Be aware. Together does not absolve you of your parental responsibility. But it does make others responsible for how they love and speak into your life. So two things that you need to know. Number one, just because you're going to pursue this, and we're telling you that you should and must, and that biblically to not do this doesn't make much sense, but you're still the one who ultimately God is saying, I gave that child to you. In wisdom, I called you to be involved with community. But this is your child. And so it doesn't absolve you of your ultimate parental responsibility and and um, and and accountability before Christ, but I'll tell you the other things it does. In ways that I am not accountable for every individual child at Watermark, I am accountable for Callie and Mac and 
you know, Audrey and Jordan and write down the list with everybody else. And so I'm going to say, if you're going to put my name on that list of people that you're sharing life with, then I've got to be aware of your child and be uh, somebody that takes a responsibility for how you're loving your child, how you're acting as a man or a woman, as a model. And so when you're in community, you're still on the line, but what happens is you also become responsible for others in a way that is overwhelming at times. And so it gets to this point. We've had to come up and talk a lot together about what do we want to say honestly to people because we know the value of this, but what can we say that they should be aware of? Well, we think you need to know that being together requires a tremendous amount of commitment. And it is easy to pull away. Let me just say this. For a marriage to maintain oneness, you've got to be absolutely committed to each other, grounded in unconditional love, where you're going to extend grace and acceptance with, uh, and be acceptance with one another where you are, but love each other so much that you love them just the way they are, but love them so much you're not going to let them stay that way. And you've got to say, look, this is going to be easy for us to get crossways with each other and pull out, but we've got to be committed. And I think, Susan, you were going to comment some on this. We are the newer addition to the Elder Betty group up here, and uh, when we came in, they were all sort of functioning, and I don't know if, if I would say at a high level, but they were, they were understanding <laughs> the concept. <laughs> um, and there was an issue that came up with our daughter, Sheridan, um, and we, um, we, we talked to them about it, but we had already begun, we had already processed it the way we thought we were going to handle it and you know we're just kind of breaking into this new concept and um, there began to be a number of suggestions or comments or things that that were being shared or added to and I was just like whoa um, I, I'm just not real comfortable with this I, um, I don't even know these people that well so I, I think that even though this is a biblical concept it's one that um, it takes a certain amount of time. Um, it, the commitment part has to be there. But you just don't do this overnight. You, you just aren't automatically comfortable with other people speaking truth into your life until you know that they really love and care about you. So, um, and it's not that I doubted that. It's just I think that takes time to get there. So, anyway, that's one thing. Yeah, and Dean, I want you to talk, because you, you, you were one who said, and in fact, this next little blank was a statement that Dean made that was really insightful, and so we wrote it down to put it in here. But, but you know, recently, Susan just had a birthday, and we all got together to celebrate it. And on the card, I wrote, Susan, Alex and I have love dragging you kicking and screaming into community. And, and, and she wrote us a thank you note back for the, the, the thing that we participated in getting her. And on that thank you note, she had a great comment. And the comment was, Todd, to my knowledge, I have never kicked anybody, which I thought was hilarious. And so, but there have been some times she's like, whoa, you know, I mean, what is this thing you guys are calling us to? And, and, we're, and, and so uh, the commitment piece, Dean, it, what would you have down there? What's the next blanks? It's, this, it's often difficult, but it's always what? Worth it. It's rich. I mean, this is the only way to live. And I think the challenge, if there's a myth that I'd love to debunk after talking to many of you that we know out in this community we call watermark, it's that, hey, you, you guys, you know, it's easier for you guys. You're committed. You're, you're aligned. You're all, you're all wired the same way. And I can promise you we are not wired the same way. No, we're it. not. Yes, no, we're not. And, and we're not. Yeah. We just want to tell you. I mean, everybody thinks, oh, yeah, well, sure, if I had five guys like that, five wives like that, I'd, I'd be all about it. Absolutely not true. I had four guys like that, and I didn't want any part of it. And this is not to discount. Well, what you're hearing is that a lot of us have journeyed in what we have believed to be community. As best we could get our arms around the scriptural truths of that. 
what we've been sharing with now is new ground, was great new ground for Susan and me. I think back a lot of decisions that we made, thinking we made them in community because we got some kind of counsel or we got some encouragement from friends, but we never did what wisdom would, was crying out, and it was bring people together that, would, that love you and that will weigh in. And that is very, very uncomfortable. And we, if, if you're hearing that this is an easy process, you need to hear from us. It's not. But I would scream with Dean, it is invaluable. And how it's blessed the two of us, not only with our marriage, but the way we've raised our children, it's incredible. A number of years ago, a great example of this is how I handled a, a bad situation a number of years ago. Uh, Stephen, who's uh, our 21-year-old, soon to be 22, uh, and he's a great kid. I like to tell you all about his great qualities, but one night didn't have such a great night. And uh, he was with friends, and he got caught in a curfew situation that included alcohol. And they toted him down to the jailhouse. Not the Highland Park Jail. Yeah, that's important. Not the Highland Park Jail. We're talking about at Dallas, the big house. The big house. Loose loose dead. Well, it was actually the one over by Fair Park, but that's incidental. And the police know exactly what they're doing because when they pick up Highland Park kids on violations like this, they know how to get everybody's attention. They threw them in the hole, and they waited a couple hours before they let the parents know, and then they got the parents down there, and they let the parents stew for a couple hours, and then they released them about the middle of the night. And Susan and I have been doing life then like we hope that we're about now, I would have done this thing totally differently. Not that I would have left him down there, but I promise you I would have called one of these guys to go with me because what I wanted to do was kill him. He'd embarrassed me. He'd embarrassed us. And I, I, and I, I put this through all the grid that I've always preached again that it's not about us. It's about our son. But it wasn't about our son that night. It was about him embarrassing us and taking us on that journey and... You know, and it, he's a great kid, but he's a sinner. He's a sinner like his papa. And so going down there, I was so angry, and I would have loved to have Kyle or Dean or Brett or Todd sitting there going, hey, it's going to be okay. You will get through this thing. Because the, the longer those police made me wait for my son, the madder I got. And by the time I got him, there wasn't anything honoring the way I handled that thing. I mean, short of killing him, which I didn't do, you know what you know, Stephen said when we got home, and we ended up talking till breakfast that morning. And the only thing he could say is, Dad, don't quit loving me. Amen. You know, which, you know, I must have really, really been mad and, in, and inappropriate. And my comment was, we did Young Life for all those years, so it was not unlike um, having a, a middle-of-the-night phone call to have go bail somebody out of jail. But when it's your own child, it's a totally different experience. And I just said, you know, you've got to... You know, whoa, think about him as a young life kid. I mean, you were much more gracious with them than you are with him. Yeah. And that's where, again, go back to the positive side. It, it, it together provides help with the emotional decisions. We had a conversation this week with somebody who uh, came to us, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about how we work this as a church in just a moment. But he came to us in a conversation with uh, discovering that a couple of his children were sexually active. And everything we heard about his response was about how angry he was. And I go, is this the way you've talked to your girls? That in the midst of this incredible pain that they're going through, that you're the one who is hurt by this? Now, what's that communicating to your children? And so he goes, oh, my goodness, you're exactly right. I've not gone to them because it's a father who loves them and knows the pain that they're in and the traps that they're sticking their feet in the middle of. It's not been about them. It's about how it makes me look. 
And it gave him a real chance to go back. And so when you're committed to each other, but we just want to tell you, because we know this, because we're responding to this biblical value, we spend hours together every week. I want to say that again. We spend hours together. If we've got a discretionary lunch or if we've got a discretionary breakfast, we've got set times, we meet together to pray for our kids, for the church, for our families every Friday morning at 6 o'clock. We um, meet every other week as a group of men only. The wives get together, how often, ladies? Every other week? Every other Tuesday they get together to meet. Because we're committed to this. And we're not just a hotline when there's trouble. And so we're looking to get together and go, look, I need you in my life. Somebody really knows the temperature. Now, when you spend that much time with anybody, you know, what's it require? An incredible amount of grace. And that's the next thing. I want to tell you, be aware this takes, if you're going to do it, a tremendous amount of commitment, and it takes a tremendous amount of grace. We're all going to speak to this. Raise your hand if sometime in the last four years, if being in community with me has been one of the most frustrating things that you've ever experienced. <laughs> all, right. all right? Amen. Now, yeah, Susan's got two up. I can't tell you, Susan wore one of these bands for a while, and I can't even tell you what she wrote on it, but it wasn't Be Strong. Okay? I can. Come see me afterwards. I'll <laughs> okay. But it was a reference to me. And, and, uh, and so how many of you all have been hurt by or frustrated by Brett in some time in the last three years? No, come on. Yeah. See, the hands didn't go as high as quickly, but they went up. And, and right, right down the way, I mean, uh, since we started this, I mean, let's just go. I mean, Brett, you and Scott got really sideways over an issue. You know, Kyle, you and I hurt each other's feelings. I've hurt your feelings. You've hurt mine. You've offended me. Dean, you know, just three weeks ago, he and I sat across the deal in front of everybody, and we were kind of moving different directions. And, and same way with each of the wives, with each other, and with each of us. And, and, but we're committed to each other, and so we've got to extend grace and work through it. Anybody want to comment on some of this? I was just going to say, I love what Jay Byrne says. Is, um, he says, this authentic, authentic lifestyle is killing me. <laughs> and, um, but, it, but what Dean said, I want to echo, is it, it really does give you life, yeah. as hard as it is. Yep, it is always difficult, but always worth it. I want to tell you, it's the same thing in my relationship with my wife. There's not a spouse out here who's authentic. If I didn't say, sometime in the last X bit of your marriage, have you ever been really frustrated, bothered by, or wanted to bail out in that relationship with your spouse? Every hand in this room would go up. But I mean, aren't you glad you haven't left? Because God intended you to get together and to work it out and extend each other grace and to love each other thoroughly towards what's best. Together not only requires commitment and grace, together requires boldness. Now, why does it require boldness? I'm looking to see if a mic's moving up, otherwise I'll run. Tawny? Well, okay, mine was maybe not on boldness so much as an encouragement, is that when our daughter got engaged, and these, these five guys had known since May that he, this young man was going to ask for Callie's hand in marriage, and she, we told her and knew that these guys had been praying for she and Ryan. There was nothing, there was the greatest gift that anyone could have given her. She said, they've all been praying for me. And she, these guys have also made a point to meet this sweet young man who's going to marry our daughter and get a chance to talk to him. But that was the, the encouragement size. And I guess it is boldness. Because well, I want to give you this, Tawny, because you, you've, you've done this. I know your nature is not um, Tawny's quiet of nature. But Tawny has, has a couple of times with me specifically in a way that I know was un, has been uncomfortable for her, uh, been willing to say, gosh, Todd, I think you're responding right now this way. And uh, was that easy? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, the last, well, and the, I think the last time we were talking, I said you and I would not get along together very well 
as I was thinking as a married couple, I thought, aren't we glad that God puts us with who he puts us with? Because I thought, I, Todd and I, I never thought I could go toe-to-toe with Todd Wanger, but I was like, grrr. And in the, in the same breath, though, when, when we have had these instances in community, at the end of the evening, I look at him and just want to cry, and all these people, because I think, how can you go that hard against those people and disagree that much and then turn around and love them? And it's because of, I know without a doubt, that Dean said, any, he, Dean would take a bullet for any of these people. And I thought, these guys would take a bullet for me. And I've never truly experienced the depth of the love okay. and acceptance with um, a group of people like that. And so that's why it makes the hard things easier to hear because I know their hearts, I trust their hearts, and I know that they love me beyond my ability to understand. Alex, you grab the mic. You can say something to this. I think, I think Brett was hoping I'd say something funny. All right. Um, okay, well, ba- basically on this, what I want to tell you, it's not easy. It's not easy when, when, when the whole group... Uh, is, is making a decision too hastily and is ready to move on and to validate um, what somebody is doing. It's not easy to be the one who pushes back when the group is ready to move on. But, but because you're a part of this, you've got to go, you know what, guys? Everybody else might be ready to say, let's vote and move on. But you've got to say, no, I'm not, I, I, go, I, I still want to call, before we call the question, I don't feel like we've processed this well. Or if the group has already endorsed a wrong decision and you weren't at that particular time, you've got to be bold to say, look, if I'm going to be on this cabinet, just because I was out of town when the cabinet meeting happened, I've got to tell you, I, I feel like maybe the group needs to consider some things. And that is really hard. But to do this right, to faithfully wound, you've got to be able to be bold. Tawny to Todd, Todd to the group, Susan to whoever. We affectionately call this beating the dead horse. Well, it can get that Riding way. a dead horse. We it, ride lots of dead horses. Yeah, it, well, it can get that way, but let's let just to keep this moving before Kegler comes up and kills the dead horse, I'm going to move on, all right? Uh, together gang is not foolproof. This is not the silver bullet. There is no silver bullet. It takes continually deep abiding relationships with Christ, the Holy Spirit, His Word, and His people. But you shouldn't. How crazy would it be to abandon God's word as a means through which you would inform shepherding your children? It'd be insane. How crazy would it be to abandon prayer as an aspect of what you employ to love your kids? No less crazy than abandoning the body of Christ, which he's called you to be a part of. But it's not foolproof. Together is not asking permission. Is it okay with you all if we do this? But it is seeking wisdom. That's what together is. We don't ask, is it okay with you if we do this with our child? We, we do say, look, I want to seek wisdom here, and I want you to speak strongly and boldly into my life if I'm missing it. Together is not giving away guardianship. It is guarding your children from your imperfection. All right, know that. I mean, how great that my kids are not limited by what I understand, know, perceive, and feel. I haven't given my guardianship to... Allie through camp to any one of these guys. But I, I am guarding against my own imperfection and ability to see things in a way that isn't how Christ would have me see it. Now here's the last thing. This isn't in your book, but I want you to write it down right here in this section. And this is what we end with. Ask yourself this question. Has isolating yourself from wise, loving, humble, obedient, compassionate, caring community ever created a better outcome for you? Ever? In anything? 
Now, I can tell you you've gone against the grain of the crowd before, but you've never gone against wise, biblically informed, loving, humble, compassionate people, and it's been better for you. And so in this most precious area of stewardship in your life, why would you isolate yourself? People will say, I'll tell you why, because I don't want to shame my kid. I don't want my kid to be embarrassed that other people know about what's going on in their life. And I'm going to tell you something. You are setting your kid up for a lot more shame when you are saying, you know what, this one we're going to hide and sweep under the carpet. Instead of introducing in appropriately loving, accountable ways, a conversation with people who aren't looking to take this information and hurt your child, hold it over your child's head, repeat it through some prayer request with other people. But to really get in there and say, hey, because I love you, I'm going to hide you from my imperfection and responding too emotionally or too narrowly to this, I'm going to seek some wisdom in this. There's never been a time. And so why would you want to do it in this most precious area? Let me close for us, and Kyle's going to come up. Father, I am humbled to be a part of a body of Christ and uh, friends from all over, really, the Southwest. We know we have friends from Oklahoma and around Texas and other places that have come to be with us this weekend. And I'm just really humbled to be around so many people that have taken so much time to just consider how they might be people who shepherd well the flock among them, people who can aim well the arrows that you have put in in their quiver. And so, um, Lord, we just want to tell you something. We are broken, imperfect people. We're imperfect moms and dads. And um, because we purpose to raise our kids the way you want us to, we have got to purpose to be in relationship with you the way you want us to be. I pray for friends that are here today that are not sure yet, Lord, about um, their relationship with you, that you would um, have them wrestle with that issue more than any other as they leave here. And I pray for those of us that are really discouraged right now, going, oh, man, my kids are 12, and I've already lost so much time, and I haven't done it right. There is no community. I've never disciplined that way. I've done things out of anger. That, Lord, you would just encourage them, that it's never too late to start doing the right thing. And I pray that we all leave here not being overwhelmed with our inadequacy, but overwhelmed with the richness of your word, overwhelmed with your grace, overwhelmed with the love that's in this body, with people who have been through pain with children and people who want to do everything they can do to deal with their imperfection that they might more perfectly shepherd the hearts that you've given us to shepherd. Father, bless these parents. Take the seed of humility that they have sown by being here and I pray that you would grow it into a plant of exaltation that would most fully exalt itself in the dignity and wisdom and purity and godliness of their children. Father, take their stewardship of time this last 24 hours and um, richly bless them with it. We thank you for the fun we get to have now tonight where we go with the rest of our community and just celebrate being together and sharing good food and good fun. And we pray for folks who tomorrow are going to talk about their new relationship with you and the celebration that we get to have around that. Father, take this conference. Help us to keep renewing and reminding ourselves about the truth and the stuff that we've learned in here. But would you, for your glory and the good of our children, allow us to walk now in the equipping that we have put ourselves before.